the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Staggerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded. I saw some wealth being redistributed today. And it was in a good way. Uh, I thought of it because I had seen a soundbite from Bernie Sanders. It was uh, from a TV show somewhere. It's actually, that's, I think that's where I saw it. But uh, And it might have been in Vermont where he's running for re-election, I think. Not that anybody's going to beat him in an election. But anyway, he was talking about how he wants to see wealth redistributed in the United States and that and that he's not shy about saying so and no no other politician should be. He went through the normal routine of how people are struggling, but, you know, billionaires are flying around in jets and sailing in their yachts. Usual stupid stuff. So I went for a walk in Mount Lebanon today in the richest neighborhood there, uh, an old rich neighborhood. Someone bought an old house and tore it down and is building a gigantic new one. Lots of stone, probably a rich person. But guess what was outside the house parked on the street? At least 10 trucks. And there were lots of guys working on the house, I noticed. And it was a great example of uh, someone with a good bit of money spreading his wealth around. Maybe it's a she. Maybe it was her wealth around. But anyway, uh, they were spreading the wealth around instead of giving it over to Bernie Sanders and letting him decide what to do with it. Uh, He redistributed his wealth. I should say he distributed his wealth to all the guys I saw on the property And, you know, whoever was driving all those trucks. And, of course, somebody had to cut the stone that was going up on the house. And somebody had to load the stone after it was cut onto a truck. And then someone had to drive the truck to Mount Lebanon. And, of course, there's going to be lots of work done on the inside of the house. I'm sure a lot has already been done. Someone had to lay the carpet, or someone will have to. Someone's going to have to bring the carpet to the house, or somebody already did. Somebody had to work in the factory where the carpet was made. Somebody had to make the appliances that are going to end up in the kitchen of this nice new house. And, of course, someone's going to have to load those onto a truck. Now, I don't know if this qualifies as trickle-down economics. All I know is I would rather see whoever owns that house in Mount Lebanon keep their money instead of giving it to the government and idiots like Bernie Sanders and give it to all the people I saw working there today. This shouldn't be a concept It's all that hard for someone like Bernie Sanders, who's, I think, as a United States senator, shouldn't be that hard for someone like him to understand. The scary thing is that it can only be one of two things. He's either too stupid to understand it, or he understands it perfectly well, and he's perfectly okay with confiscating that homeowner's money and spreading it around stupidly and wastefully. Meanwhile, China likes to redistribute wealth, and of course, uh, living there is a nightmare for most people. When we come back, a Pittsburgh guy who's written a book about just how bad things can be in China. In our second half hour, we're going to shoot holes in the myth that climate change has anything to do with the number of hurricanes and how severe they might be, including Ian. Stick around. NetApp, Inc. has openings for the position of Product Portfolio Manager in Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania. Job duties for the position include leading, directing, and coordinating a portfolio of products in FlexPod solutions for NetApp databases and applications in hybrid cloud. The position requires a master's degree or foreign equivalent in computer engineering, electrical engineering, engineering, or a related technical field, and four years of experience in the job offered or in product management. Stated experience must include enterprise databases including SAP, Oracle, and SQL, analytics, including 
including artificial intelligence and machine learning, virtual desktop infrastructure, hybrid cloud technologies, and product positioning. Must be willing to travel around the United States up to 25% of the time. This is a full-time position. To apply, email resume to hropssj at netapp.com and reference job code 6494841. Are you kidding me? Gas prices are up again? Somebody has to do something. Well, someone did. That's why I use Upside. Upside? What's that? It's a free app that pays you back real money for every gallon of gas or diesel you buy. I just earned 25 cents back on every gallon of this tank. Hold on. So the Upside app is free and you actually get cash back every time you use it? No strings attached? Yep, it's awesome. Check it out. It only takes a couple of minutes to sign up. Instead of just watching your dollars go into your tank, start putting money back into your wallet with the free app from Upside. With the price of gas today, it's big news and big money. To cash out of your Upside cash, just transfer it to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card. Upside users have already earned over $200 million. Now it's your turn. Download the free Upside app and get cash back on every gallon of gas. Use promo code SALEM for an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's code S-A-L-E-M. Use code SALEM for an extra 25 cents per gallon back in your first fill-up. Cash back's not available in gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. My dog was scratching and shedding like crazy around the house. When I heard about Dynavite Nutritional Supplement, I thought, why not? Couldn't hurt. We literally tried everything else. Our dog quickly took to it, and after a couple of weeks of adding Dynavite to his food, we noticed a big difference. Our little gizmo's coat was shinier, and he almost completely stopped shedding and itching. I can't wait to see how well it helps him with his allergies as the seasons change and he's in the yard more. I'm so glad I tried Dynavite. My dog smelled so bad and scratched herself constantly. We bathed, sprayed, and bathed her again, but no results. And then I heard about Dynavite supplements for gut health, and all of the reviews sounded just like my Bella. After just two weeks, she had major improvements with the smell, and no more scratching or dragging her stomach across the carpet. And her coat is more beautiful than ever. Happier, healthier with every bite. Over a million pets helped with Dynavite. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? I mean, they go back to college. Learn new instruments. Start skateboarding. Okay, maybe that one's not for everybody, but saving for retirement is. With aceyourretirement.org, you can get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. Just have a three-minute chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach from AARP. You'll get personalized recommendations based on your input that are easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Gnarly move, Dad. Thanks, sweetie. So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, Russia has been dominating the news lately. Maybe you've noticed that. But China is probably our biggest problem. And China also does a better job than most, it seems, most countries, I should say, of, of you know, keeping their problems to themselves. John Moody is from Pittsburgh. He's a former executive vice president and executive editor at Fox News. And he's the author of several books, including two novels about China. He joins us now. John, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. So uh, your new book is uh, The World We Wish. Uh, has been, it's been described uh, as a great look at what life is like in China. Uh, and I guess that that's actually a sequel, The World We Wish. So how are you able to learn enough about China to write two novels that really get into what life is like over there? Well, that's a great question, John. You're right. Um, I was not allowed to go to China. I asked and was turned down, um, I, nor was I able to talk to any Chinese officials uh, who, who would have perhaps been able to give me at least their side of the story. Um, you know, I used to be a reporter, uh, and I used to tried to hold myself to a pretty high standard of, of reporting and knowing what I was saying. And I had to do the same for this, but since I wasn't able to get any official information, I had to rely on reading Chinese websites that are published in English, um, and talking to a very few, very brave citizens of China, not all of them living in China, 
but nonetheless who had experienced what life is like there. And I tried to tell that story, and I tried to tell, uh, tell it as realistically as I could, knowing that it's fiction, but that it's fact-based fiction. Yeah, that, that's my next question. Um, you say you were a reporter. You worked as, a, as an executive editor at Fox News, and you've been a journalist. What makes a, a, a person who's a reporter decide to make it a novel instead of just another story about Russia? And, and how, does that, how does doing it as a novel help you? Did I say China, Russia? I meant China, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> um, it, 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 was, it was the only format I could use and still be true to myself. If I tried to say that this is a nonfiction book and you know, here's all the things, things that I know about China, it just would not be enough and it wouldn't be deep enough. And also, I just wouldn't know that all of the stuff that I had heard and seen and researched was accurate. You never know what you're going to get on the Internet right. these days. Right. So, so I, I gave myself the, the freedom uh, to write fiction, but I can assure your listeners and, and my readers uh, it is very close to what is really going on in China. So it's, it's, it's kind of like the, uh, the print version of dramatic license that you can take? <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. Uh, I, I like that analogy. It's it's dramatic license. Uh, I, I hope it's uh, written in a way that it will both interest and inform people. Uh, so let, let's start with the first book. Uh, they had to know. Uh, can you give us the, the Cliff Notes version of what the, who, what's the story about? Yes, I can. Uh, this that was published last year. It was it was called. Of course they knew. Of course they dot dot dot. Okay. And it basically said again in novel form, but with very close to fact based, uh, that China created the coronavirus and allowed it to spread around the world, and then lied about it for well, right up until right now. Uh, we're you know we're being told by the United Nations and the CDC and everybody else. Don't call it the China virus. Don't call it the Wuhan flu. That would be racist. You can't do that. You'll make China upset. Call it COVID. Well, it is the Wuhan flu. It was started in China. And we're now seeing reports coming from there that say it, it occurred exactly the way I said it did in my book. It was a mistake, uh, an experimental mistake that was allowed to get out of the Wuhan Virological Institute. And and so that's the that's the story, and then you have the sequel. So what's the sequel to that story? I guess it's what's happening today. Well, no. In a, in addition to allowing COVID to spread through the world, China is also by far the world leader in researching and applying artificial intelligence (AI). Uh, you know, it's been in the news a lot, and people talk about it, but I'm not sure a whole lot of people understand what artificial intelligence is. It is learning that is actually done by a machine itself, and a machine that, that of course, is a very, very powerful computer. Um, So it doesn't require human help to learn. Now, China has used that as a way to gain superiority in the research and in production research. They're now making products completely without human input. And this book takes it one step further and makes the case, and I believe it's true, that China is using artificial intelligence to create its own metaverse. Now, what is the metaverse, you all want to know? The metaverse is where you go right now. You put on a clunky old headset, and you, you can look through the headset and really choose what kind of a scenario you want to put yourself into. It's very realistic. And, you know, you can be uh, you, you can have a lightsaber duel against a dragon if you want, or you can pretend that you're flying over Paris and about to step on the top of the Eiffel Tower. It, it's really up to your imagination. However, China is trying to use the metaverse that we all think of as a fun and games place for its own political reasons. Wow. And so um, and to what degree uh, has it already affected the planet Earth, their their use of A.I.? Oh, I, I, I think that, you know, we now see drone warfare uh, as the way that, that war might be fought in the future. China manufactures most of the, drone, the, the, the drones that are used for uh, military purposes. And, of course, it is already using those drones in its uh, uh, suppression of its Uyghur minority. Uyghurs are Muslims that live in China, in the yep. southwest of China. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, China uses drone warfare to cut down anyone that it thinks is going to be a problem for the Chinese Communist Party. Pretty scary stuff, isn't it? Well, China's a pretty scary thing, and uh, I, I hope that your listeners and my viewers will, uh, and my readers will get a little bit of information from it and, and learn and really want to do something about it, such as stop buying all the crap that China sends us and that we buy because it's 10 cents cheaper than something made in America. Yeah, and how, what are the chances of that happening? Oh, about uh, point point zero 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 one. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, books like yours, um, if if people are are made, uh, are, I guess if people are made aware, enough people are made aware of this, that has to change. Uh, the, our politicians aren't helping, though, are they? Well, you know, politicians have a funny way of of getting around act, taking action on things. Uh, you know, they, they worry that they might lose some votes. They worry that they might become uh, targets for Chinese uh, retaliation. Uh, they, they worry that their, their constituents might not like to be told that you're buying too many goods from China and not enough from our own dear God-blessed country. So, yeah, politicians try to escape responsibility, and then they, then they get on the floor of Congress and start lecturing everybody else. And what did you learn about China that maybe you, you didn't know before you did the research for the books? I guess a lot of things. You know, the, well, a lot, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the, the leader of China right now is a guy named Xi Jinping. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's the president and the head of the Communist Party and the head of the military. And, you know, he has every title except dog catcher in China. Um, and Xi Jinping has introduced what he calls socialism with Chinese characteristics. Now, it, it sounds even better in Chinese, but it is his version of how socialism should be applied to how everybody lives their life. And in the end, what it comes down to is you do what the Chinese Communist Party tells you, or you're going to suffer for it. And so, uh, again, how aware are even the politicians of the evil that China represents? I think there are some who are quite aware of it. I think Governor DeSantis of Florida is, is aware of it and trying to take action to limit Chinese investment in Florida. Uh, I think Congressman Mike Gallagher from, from Wisconsin has made some very harsh statements about China correctly, uh, but, but said, you know, we have to stop treating them like a friend. They're not our friend. So there are some. It's just that there are so few in relation to how many people there are, there are in Congress spouting off every day. And so how did you work humor into these <laughs> these books after what you just told us about what's going on in China? Well, I, I imagined what a, uh, an imaginary uh, leader of the free world, and I'm not going to use any names, might react to seeing what China was doing, but being unable to take action because all the issues that Americans care about are you know, um, gender equality and uh, things mm -hmm. like that, and reparations and, and, and what's, whatnot, you know, we're, we're taking all these social measures seriously, but we're not taking the real danger, which is China, seriously. And what's always amazing to me is um, the people, the, the ignorance of people uh, and how naive they are to think that the Chinese would put up with any of this for two seconds. Uh, worrying about no, but, gender and and you know and they're you think they're how much time is their military spending on pronouns these days? Uh, that would be zero, yeah. and uh, you know for good reason because they're getting ready to invade and capture Taiwan, mm -hmm. and we all know what's going to happen, and nobody can possibly imagine getting up on the floor of Congress and saying no, you can't do that. I mean Nancy Pelosi, to her credit, made a trip to Taiwan that was very very. Um, it was it was an affront to the Communist Party of China. She did it. She went through it, and she she said that we're Taiwan's friend, and we're going to defend them. Now, unfortunately, she doesn't get to make that decision. Yeah. Now, do you think th there was some method to her madness? I think there was. I think it was a finger in the eye of China, and and well deserved and long overdue. Uh, but I'm not sure that it's enough. And I think that. You know, the more members of Congress and the more members of this administration who go to Taiwan and make statements like that and tell China that, that you know, hey, guys, the game is up, uh, the better it is.
We're talking to John Moody, who happens to be a Pittsburgh guy and the author of several books, including uh, The World We Wish, and of course they knew, of course they dot, dot, dot. <laughs> um, what part of Pittsburgh are you from? I was born in Bethel Park, wow. and uh, very proud to be there. And, you know, John, as fate would have it, I'm in Pittsburgh right now. Oh, nice. Uh, so a South Hills guy. Um, uh, a, 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 a fellow South Hills guy, but a, a South Hills guy, but a Pittsburgh native and proud of it. Yep, I'm a South Hills guy, too. So I, I, you, are, you were a, um, a executive uh, vice president at Fox and uh, also an executive editor. If you don't mind, I'd like to ask you a little bit about that. Um, uh, where um, I guess what I really want to ask you about more so than Fox is CNN and where they're headed. And what do you think is happening with them right now? Well, I, I think that we've all seen the news stories about it. Uh, a couple of people that uh, that were the loudest voices at CNN aren't there anymore. Right. And uh, it appears that their management wants to try to return to a more balanced, moderate, uh, middle-of-the-road kind of reporting. And I think it'll be good. Um, you know, see, when CNN started out in 1980, they were just an astounding success because that's what they did. They had... They had guys and ladies that weren't necessarily movie stars, but they, they reported the news, and they reported it straight, and they let you make your own decisions. Yeah, I remember watching Crossfire, and that was a, that was a very innovative thing with, uh, I think it was sure. Pat, Pat Buchanan, and I forget who else was on there. Um, but they, yeah. they started yeah. out trying to show both sides. Well, and, and they made sure that both sides got, got shown, and that was, that was the good part about it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it would be all for the good if CNN can get back to that. So what about um, uh, Fox? Um, where's Fox headed? Where, where's, how's, how, how long ago did you leave Fox, John? I, uh, I left in 2018. Um, I was there for 22 years, and, um, you know, best, best part of my professional life. Um, look, Fox created uh, – Fox saw the need for – a network of news that was not going to be uh, a, a liberal talking head. Mm -hmm. And they created, they created an audience. They knew there was an audience out there. They, they created the demand for their product. It's still very, very popular. It's still the most watched news network in the country. And, you know, we're, we're in perilous times in this country. And it's good to know that there is something like Fox News out there. Yeah, here's my question, and this uh, for someone who was an executive vice president there, um, I always I I watch Fox all the time. I can't look at CNN or MSNBC for thirty seconds, but um, but when I look at the ratings, I, I always notice that CNN and MSNBC they fight over the liberal audience, and 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 that's and Fox has benefited from that. That's not mentioned much. That you know there are two liberal ma major net liberal uh, outlets. And Fox gets the conservatives to themselves mostly. Um, what would happen if CNN hired uh, Megyn Kelly and um, Bill O'Reilly and put them in prime time next week? They'd, they'd have a whole lot more viewers. Yeah, you know, it's it's simple, John. Divide and conquer. That's that, yeah. that's what's going on. But would it make more sense for them to actually try to go up against Fox than it would to be? Uh, to keep splitting the liberals with MSNBC, uh, there uh, there are plenty of people who have left Fox who could get instant viewers for them, and I'm not suggesting they do that, but it just seems to me that they have a better chance of competing directly with Fox than trying to try to, I don't know, be become neutral and boring. Yeah, you know, John, I, I left Fox in 2018. Um, um, I have a, a lot of happy memories about it. Yeah. I'm certainly not going to give CNN any guidance on what they should do if they <laughs> if they want to know what I think. If they if they want to know what I think, they know my number. Yeah. Well, if I'm running them, uh, Bill O'Reilly's on there at eight o'clock at night. You know, uh, that's that's where I'd put them just to see what would happen. Uh, whoever they have on there stinks. I don't even know who it is now, but it's not anybody that I'd want to watch. Hey, John, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, the the two books. The new book is World World We Wish. And the other one is, of course, they knew, of course, dot, 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 about China. And uh, good luck with them. And thanks for coming on. Thanks, John, for having me. Okay. That's John Moody. And we will be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. 
Florida Division of Emergency Management Director Kevin Guthrie on what to expect from Hurricane Ian. This will cause life-threatening storm surge, flooding, tropical storm force winds will be felt throughout the entire state and even isolated tornadoes. Some areas experiencing storm surges. Naples with a reported record surge. Fort Myers could see an up to 18-foot storm surge. Ian very close to being a Category 5 hurricane. Not surprisingly, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis warned it's too late to evacuate. It's no longer possible to safely evacuate. Uh, it's time to hunker down and prepare for this storm. Uh, this is a powerful storm that should be treated like you would treat if a tornado was approaching uh, your home. Ian, the first hurricane to hit Florida since 2018. This is SRN News. Charlie Dombeck here from Key City Capital. As a practicing CPA for nearly 30 years, I have found that 80% of your ability to grow your wealth is dependent upon two factors, taxes and investment performance. At Key City Capital, we improve investment performance by diversifying capital into off-market investment opportunities in passive rental real estate and alternatives like asset-backed lending. We recover dollars that clients unnecessarily pay in the form of income taxes, creating a lifetime annuity of savings. We are a sponsor of passive, affordable, single and multifamily residential rental investments, which are located in Sunbelt landlord-friendly states. These investments are the top choices in a rising interest rate and inflationary environment. They represent a store of value protecting your capital from market volatility. Learn how we at Key City Capital can help you ultimately grow your wealth rapidly. Connect with me at keycitycapital.com or give me a call at 817-912-1569. Brandon Tatum explains the melting pot. In my mind, I think that the blending of us together makes us more powerful. But you can't blend and forget your identity. But then your identity is not greater than the country. And you say you came from Africa, that your African culture is going to dominate the culture of the United States of America. It can coexist with other cultures, which is fine. The Officer Tatum Show, weeknights at 7 on AM 1250. The Answer. Whose rule book do you want to play by, the government's or your own? This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Without a proper estate plan, many families end up playing by the government's rule book and losing a lot of what they'd intended to leave to their families. That's why Abernathy and Hagerman presents free, ongoing estate planning workshops with attorney Dan Reimer to help you protect what's yours and make sure the government plays by your rules. The next one's happening soon. For details and to attend, visit a-h.law. Hi, I'm Jackie Dorman. Are you longing to find your soulmate, but you're tired of online dating, singles ministries, blind dates, or even being set up on bad dates by well-meaning family and friends? If none of that's worked for you and you have no idea how to meet marriage-minded men or even truly Christian men who will seek you out for a lasting, committed relationship without the head games, then I invite you to join me in my free Married in 12 Months Challenge. Look, there's nothing good or sacred or even noble about sitting in the waiting room. So in this challenge, I'm going to teach you why now is your time to find love. What are the lies that are holding you back? Why God wants you married? the biblical law of attraction, and the tools you need to become a bride. Don't wait any longer. Just sign up for my free Married in 12 Months Challenge today at lovestories.com and you can step into the love story that God has already written about you. That's lovestories.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on The Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Well, it's been a crazy afternoon out there. So many delays on Parkway North inbound that solid Reedsdale Street to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Inbound 376, backed up Montour Run Road down to 22. And then Parkway West is busy outbound from Banksville Road to Carnegie. On the Parkway East outbound, heavy delays Boulevard of the Allies up to near Edgewood, Swissvale, where an accident is off to the shoulder. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. Partly cloudy skies expected for tonight. We'll see a nighttime low of 46. Intervals of clouds and sunshine tomorrow will reach a high tomorrow of 62. Clear skies tomorrow night, low 42. Partly sunny Friday, the high 67. We'll see a little rain Saturday from what will develop into tropical rainstorm, Ian, in the afternoon. Otherwise, cloudy skies and a high of 61. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. 
This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, you don't have to look far to find stories about how uh, man-made climate change is responsible for the intensity of Hurricane Ian. Just uh, duck, duck, go it, and you'll find them. H. Sterling Burnett is the managing editor of Environment and Climate News at the uh, uh, Heartland Organization. Heartland uh, dot what is dot Heartland dot org? I don't know. Heartland that. Institute. Heartland. Heartland sorry, Institute. sorry about that. I I, <laughs> I couldn't think. Of, I'm I'm getting old. I have I have a Heritage Foundation written down. I know that's not you guys. I had a wrong. I threw myself off there. Sorry, uh, but I've had you on several times, and I definitely know who you are. That's why you're here. Uh, thanks for coming on again, Sterling. I appreciate it. Um, sure, glad to be here. So, uh, are you seeing the usual numbers of stories? Um, you know, blaming man-made climate change for Ian, which is the one we're dealing with now? Yeah, well, first off, I'd like to say, you know, my prayers are with the people of Florida and wherever else this Ian is going to affect. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. You know, anywhere you go, even when the scientists, you know, they interview, like uh, last night uh, or, or this morning, I forget, Don Lemon interviewed the head of uh, the government agency that uh, tracks uh, weather and, and uh hurricanes and he said oh didn't climate change cause this and the guy said no we can't attribute hurricane and immediately he jumped in and says oh well i'm from the region and i know it's intensified it's like no sorry you know things by looking at data not your feelings on the matter first off he wasn't from florida he's from louisiana <laughs> yeah Secondly, and and how old is he i mean how long has he been yeah, around yeah yeah exactly secondly you look at the data and the ipcc not, I don't agree with the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change and all things. I certainly don't agree with how they fiddle with their summers with policymakers and let politicians rewrite it to not reflect the science. But when you look at the science, what they come to the conclusion is we can find no evidence hurricanes are getting more numerous or more severe uh, during this period of modest warming. That's their conclusion. And Don Lemon be damned, uh, Al Gore be damned. The truth is the truth, and that's what the science says. They they only want to follow the science when it supports calamity. Uh, it's it's you know it it harkens back to sort of uh, the Russian the Soviet science under the Soviets, Lysenkoism. Government tells the scientists what they're supposed to conclude, right? Or in this case, media personalities do. Well, it makes for a better story if it's my fault that we're having a hurricane. Well, yeah, no, if it bleeds, it leads, right? The thing yeah. is, hurricanes already provide more than enough story to sell papers and to sell at time without trying to link it to climate change, which has nothing whatsoever to do with this individual hurricane. We have had, I didn't hear Don Lemon running any stories on CNN during the month of August when not a single tropical storm or hurricane formed for the first time in decades. Yeah. I didn't uh, hear him say anything about how climate change was causing no hurricanes. Well, I, I think, doesn't it work this way that I, I think I've heard that they've been saying this year that the fact that we've had very few or, or no hurricanes uh, is because of climate change. And then, when we've had more, it's because they whichever. It's amazing how often they just pick whatever's happening now, and never ever, especially ever since they changed it from global warming to climate change, that they can yeah. they can blame it on climate change, whichever, however they want to do it. Yeah, no, that's right. But I, I didn't hear many people blaming it on climate change. I heard them blaming it on wind shear, which they linked to climate change. So, oh well, it's causing more wind shear. Okay, well that's a good thing then, right? It's reducing hurricanes, so you can't say climate change is all bad. But they don't run stories about good news. They don't run stories about increasing crop yields due to CO2. They don't in run stories about increasing lifespans due to fewer deaths from cold, which far outnumbered deaths from heat. They don't run those stories. No. Uh, if, if they really want to be balanced, you know, fair and balanced, if they want to be objective journalists, they need to present all sides. And the truth is, on, on hurricanes, on hurricanes is one issue. The IPCC is clear. No attribution to humans, no evidence of increases in numbers or intensity. 
Well, CBSnews.com has a story. It took me about five seconds to find it. Uh, and, and here's a quote from the story. Quote, scientists say the process of hurricanes rapidly intensifying, which apparently is what's going on with Ian. Scientists say the process of hurricanes rapidly intensifying is becoming more frequent and is connected to the impact of human-caused climate change. Now, you're a scientist. Did they call you for this one? Well, let's be fair. I'm not a scientist. I do have a Ph.D., but it's not in a hard science. Okay. But it doesn't matter. Some scientist says something. One scientist, a few scientists, they don't speak for the scientific community, and they certainly don't speak for hurricane exports. You can talk to a biologist, and he can say one thing. You can talk to a chemist. But you talk to hurricane experts when you want to talk about hurricanes, and they don't see it. Yeah. And, uh, well, who are know, these people that so, see it, though? Well, my suspicion is that they're whatever scientist that they've talked to before who says the world's coming to an end. Uh, but, you know, let's look at Ian for a second. They say, oh, it's intensifying rapidly. I first heard about Ian more than a week ago as a tropical storm. So it's taken a week to intensify. Mm -hmm. It didn't even reach Category 4 until... It was just about to make landfall. That's a pretty slow intensifying. It didn't happen overnight. It took a week to build up. That's not rapidly intensifying. Yeah, well... Uh, I mean, it intensified. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. It would be terrible at, at, at Category 3, 4. It'd be terrible at Category 1 or 2, even though that's not a major hurricane if it strikes you. But it didn't rapidly intensify. But they. The, it seems like they go from... They, when when there aren't enough hurricanes to support the argument that more hurricanes are caused are, are are a result of of climate change, and then they say, well, yeah, but maybe we don't have as many or we don't have more, but the ones we do get, they're more intense. Is that the argument they're going with now? Yeah, that's the argument they're going with now, and and you know, it's it's a it's an important argument. If there was any evidence for it, that's that's my only point. It's like, look, that could be the case. It could be the case that climate change was not increasing hurricane numbers, uh, but it was making them more powerful. But the data does not show it. It's a theory unsupported by any evidence. You can keep saying something again and again and again. I mean, look, I wish the Texas Rangers would win the World Series. And I could say, they're the World Series winners. They're the World Series winners. That doesn't make it so. Yeah. (laughs) Well, but... Uh, but Sterling, uh, what what happened that made this such a popular thing for the media to do? Is it just because it makes for a good story and and it gets people afraid and 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 gets them to come well, to I them to find I, out about it? How did this happen? I think in part, yeah, I think in part you have to look at who the media is. The polling shows the vast majority of the media are way left of the American public. They're radical liberals. They want bigger government because they're elite and they know best for everybody. So climate change is the next, you know, it's the big bugaboo that they can use to uh, ramp up calls for bigger government, for government controlling people's lives, for government controlling people's property. They're leftists and leftists want these kinds of things. So that it, it, it all comes back to that. It's just like, hey, let's take this issue and uh, just says that. Well, I guess I guess COVID was um, a really good example of them doing it, uh, and in a, in a really intense way because I yeah. mean, people's well, lives used, were really they, affected by that. They used they use COVID as the example. They say we've shown that with COVID, what we can do to fight climate change: lock people down. Mm-hmm. That's their answer. Lock them up. Don't let them fly unless you're John Kerry taking a private jet or Al Gore. Uh, don't don't let them procreate because they would love China's population control. Mm-hmm. Don't let them eat meat because we know best. Don't let them drive cars except for uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Al Gore, and John Kerry who take armored limousines. Yeah. The, the point is, they know what's best for the paupers and what's best for the elite are two different things. And they don't live the lifestyles they aspire to. Uh, they they aspire for us to. They'd like to enforce. Uh, I don't know that all of them are, are are just pushing socialism for socialism's sake and using 
sort of what we call watermelon. They're watermelons, green on the outside, red on the inside. I don't know that all of them are like that. Some of them may really believe the chicken little story, but it's never been wrong in the past. It's never been right in the past, I should say. And there's no evidence it's right now. So the best guess I've got as to why they're doing this is because they have an underlying motive. Well, Polls show they're liberal, and liberals like big government. Well, how much? Uh, I, I just think a lot of it's also a massive um, example or case of um, virtue signaling. Uh, I care about the planet more than you do. I am. I walk around every day really concerned about my fellow human beings and the planet I live on. And so I'm going to scold you for the things you're doing because you don't care, obviously, as much as I do about the planet. I think there's a lot of that. I think there is, too. But I guess I'd ask, what kind of virtue is it to signal with somebody else's money instead of your own? No, but I mean, I don't mean... It it takes me back. Yeah, no, sorry. I don't don't mean about spending the money or or what the... uh, uh, Even tying it into... You know, uh, government power and and uh, and the, what leftists leftists like big government and all that. I'm just saying, in general, as a cultural thing, it's gotten to the point where people who know nothing about it, nothing about it except what they see on CNN, they've swallowed it and they think it's a great way. It's it, because you're if you don't buy into this, you're scolded for being selfish, for being uh, a Neanderthal. You're you're scolded for not. Uh, paying attention uh, because they know what's best because they care deeply about the planet and you don't. I think a lot of it, it comes down to that because, as you keep pointing out, there's nothing, there's no actual data to back up what they say. But they well, keep like saying I, said, it. I agree with you. I agree with you. But I, I, I guess the point I was trying to make is it, it's, uh, it's light on virtue and heavy on signaling. Okay. Because... They talk a good game, but then they, you know, they they won't be inconvenienced. They don't give up their cell phones and chargers. Mm-mm. Recycling, well, maybe they do it. Maybe they do it right, but when it's inconvenient, they don't. You know, uh, it's it's virtue is acting on your beliefs. If you're taking private jets everywhere, you're not acting on your beliefs. If you say that's killing the planet. And because you complain about other people killing the planet doesn't make you virtuous when you're not doing, when you're not acting on your beliefs. So I just think it's, it's, it's light on virtue, heavy on signaling. Well, uh, and uh, we're, we're, we're talking to uh, Sterling Burnett. He's the managing editor of Environment and Climate News at the Heartland Institute. Um, and uh, you, so you, you wrote a piece back in June, I think it was back in June, about CNN insisting that humans are causing hurricanes so that, that was they were doing it even when there were no hurricanes around they were, they were still they were still i guess they were preparing for hurricanes by saying that yeah yeah they were they were loading the gun they were you know giving you a preview of things to come because to be fair everyone knows that there was going to be a hurricane sometime strike america why do we know this well we have a whole season called hurricane season for a reason throughout human history and probably before there were humans on this continent, hurricanes formed and struck land on occasion. They don't always strike land, but often they do. And so they knew it was coming, so they might as well have gimmed up the stories to uh, coincide. And, and then they could say, see, we told you so. Yeah. Told you so. Yeah, I actually remember walking home from school um, up here in Pittsburgh uh and we were somehow getting the remnants of Hurricane Hazel here. I, I mean, I was, I was like seven years old. Hurricane Hazel, if you look it up, it was probably in the like 1955 or something like that. And I was a little kid when back when little kids were allowed to walk home from school, and yeah. I can remember the sheets of rain coming down the street as I ducked in and out of buildings. And that was Hurricane Hazel, and everybody was panicked then that it was the end of the world. And that's a Hell yeah. 70 well, years know, ago. Uh, people, I'm from Texas, and people don't realize that uh, Galveston at one time oh, was yeah. the, the most populated. It, was, it has the highest population in Texas, uh, not after a hurricane hit. No. <laughs> and that, that, was, that was over 100 years ago, and it, did, and it, killed, it took more lives than all other hurricanes striking Texas combined since then. Yeah, so that brought up that brings up the next thing I wanted to ask you about. 
Um, obviously, that came before air conditioning. Okay. Um, yeah. And before or, or, or cars for that yeah, matter. Right. And before air conditioning, there weren't three million people or whatever it is living in the Tampa area, Tampa St. Pete, uh, yeah. which who are all evacuated now. So. Um, you know that Tampa, Tampa, Florida. I bet if you looked it up in 1925, had the had the population of probably Youngstown, Ohio. Okay, uh, and air condition changed everything. So, is it possible that it, it might not be a good idea to have three million people living in an area that get hits gets hit with intense hurricanes on a regular basis at the same time of year? Well. I, I'm not one to tell people no. where they should no. or shouldn't live, but uh, if you move to or live in an area that's prone to hurricanes, you've got it's little surprise when hurricanes then strike. It's the same thing in California. Look, California now wants to drain the Great Lakes to provide it with water after it's already stolen water from the Midwest because it, it's a desert. It was one of the least populated places on the, on the North American continent before whites got here. Uh, Indians didn't live there because there's no water. And we shipped water artificially in. Now they want us to continue to support their lifestyle. And then they complain when forest fires occur in an arid area where forest fires traditionally occurred. Yeah. When and so, look, it, it, it's, called, it's called moral hazard, moving to the nuisance. Mm-hmm. And if you move to Tampa Bay, if you're a retiree and you move to Miami, guess what? Hurricanes occur and you will be impacted sooner or later. Yeah, and and people uh, before air conditioning, eighty years ago, ninety years ago, they uh, I guess in the twenties, people came north in the summertime to escape Florida uh, as much as people went south to to get the sunshine. Didn't the the people there got out because of hurricanes and heat? And so, so the thing is now, you know, we've got huge infrastructure. It's not just people. We've got this huge infrastructure, right? Yeah. Used to be maybe in Tampa Bay, there were some people that lived along the coast, but a lot of it was bait shacks, maybe cheap motels, uh, a few small marinas. Uh, now there are, you know, billion-dollar uh, development there, and it's it's not easy to walk away from. What you can do, however, is harden it and improve your warning system and improve the way to, to escape when hurricanes come. But what you can't expect is hurricanes not to come. Yeah, and you can't... In the end, climate change or not, hurricanes are going to form. They're going to strike. Sometimes they'll be really powerful. And if you're living in an area prone to hurricanes, you need to be prepared. What's interesting to me is you talk about 3 million people evacuated. I wonder if they all took electric vehicles or were they... Oh, yeah. Uh, or were they contributing to climate change with their fossil fuel engines as they got out of town? Well, in 25 years or so, uh, we're all going to have electric cars, and they'll all be electric cars on the highway evacuating Tampa. I, I just looked up the the uh, population in Tampa in 1930. 101,161. Well, I don't know what the population is that's there now. That's uh, the current population for, for 1930. That's large. Yeah, it says 387,000 right now. That just must mean in the city. Uh, yeah, that's, that's city proper, not the metropolitan area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, uh, 101,000. But uh, you know, they're they're trying to. Uh, my my grandson goes to college down there, and he just started in in August, and he was there a month, and now he's back in Pittsburgh because he had to get out. <laughs> He, he I don't think he talked much about evacuation when he left here in August, but here he is. You know, yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, you know, and like I said, we we got to pray for the people down there. We got to hope it's uh, not sort of the, the most extreme worst of the predictions that they've made, as it could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, putting it in perspective is acknowledging that this is the kind of thing that happens in Tampa every so often because. Hurricanes form and strike there, and it's not. There's no evidence whatsoever, no evidence whatsoever, that humans have caused or contributed to this hurricane striking there. And more important than that, and I'm finishing up here. I'm out of time, but more important than that is there's nothing we can do about it <laughs> to prevent them. Yeah. That's the most you important thing. You can't prevent them. Uh, all you can do is be prepared for when they come. And understand what the word evacuate means. Thanks, thanks, Sterling. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Okay, that's Sterling Burnett. 
and he's managing editor of Environment and Climate News at the Heartland Institute. We'll be right back. Dan owed an unbelievable amount of money to the IRS. I got behind on my taxes. It's a horrible feeling. He was in denial. And when I got those letters from the IRS, you wanted to act like they didn't exist. Finally, Dan turned to Optima Tax Relief, the leading tax resolution firm. A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau, they've resolved over $1 billion for their clients. Optima got me a settlement with the IRS. These people are really people-friendly. It was every bit of a new lease on life for me. The fast action and the great results made Dan's head spin. I felt like I was in a dream, but it's real, and I have paperwork to prove it. They got the job done, and life is good. For tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation. If you're worried about what's going to happen with the IRS, stop worrying. Make the call now. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Testimonial from an actual client. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. Yeah, you want some more stupidity to finish up with here? Jesse Thompson's kids, ages 9, 10, and 11, would like to walk home together. But James H. Spann Elementary School in Somerville, South Carolina, won't let them leave without an adult. When Thompson asked if she could sign some sort of waiver, the assistant principal told her, students will not be allowed to walk home by themselves. If an adult does not pick them up, the kids must take the bus. Well, the bus ride actually takes longer than the 20-minute walk. Moreover, in the era of COVID-19, walking is arguably safer and certainly more comfortable. So, um, well, uh, this is happening in... in (laughs) In, in the, where is it, South Carolina? Yeah, Somerville, South Carolina. And this piece is written by Lenore Skenazy, who's been on this show. I don't know if that name means anything to you. Lenore Skenazy, many years ago, she gave her son, I don't know what it was, a, a, a dollar. I, he, she gave, he gave her a small amount of money, enough to make a phone call, I think, and enough to get on the subway, and dropped him off in uh, somewhere in Manhattan and said, get home on your own. And he was like 11 years old. He got home on his own, didn't die, nobody attacked him. That may be different now, but back then he was able to get home on a subway by himself, and and uh, she wrote about it in a column and got destroyed for, for putting her son in danger. She ended up starting a website, and she became pretty famous talking about helicopter parenting. So the kids aren't allowed to walk home. Meanwhile, we walked to school uphill both ways when I was a kid in our bare feet. I'll talk to you tomorrow. John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow fan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.